Hello and welcome to the next episode of Me, Myself and Isla, Lifting the Lid on Loneliness. Today my guest is Mark Delgarno, a global talent acquisition leader at Minor Figures and a well-respected CV and career coach. Mark got in touch a few months ago and offered to join me on my podcast. He suggested sharing some of his experiences of being alone and also being lonely, which are of course two different things, and how times of loneliness helped him to build strength and resilience. On this podcast, Mark reflects on times when he was traveling alone, when he moved to Glasgow on his own for work, and of course the impact of the pandemic. He also talks about the feeling of empowerment that comes from having to make decisions on your own because you are on your own, rather than looking to others for advice or opinions. I really enjoyed my Sunday afternoon chat with Mark, and I hope you do too. Okay, so hey Mark, how are you? I am no bad at all, thank you very much. Not bad at all. I'm fine, thank you very much. In fact, we're both sitting in the, I mean, people can't see this, obviously, but we're both sitting in the whitest dreams ever. I just noticed that. There's yeah. no personality being seen in our backdrops on Zoom at all. No, <laughs> we're giving you. nothing away. No, there's a, there's a lot going on behind me, if I'm honest. I don't know. Really want, <laughs> I wouldn't want people to see, nor would my other half want people to see it as well. So I'm glad it's, uh, I'm glad it's not being good. That's fine. No one gets to see our visuals. No. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today about no loneliness problem. and being alone. Um, you know, when I was working on the intro to this, and I was trying to think, how is it that we know each other again? Because I feel like, have we ever actually met in real life? I well, you emailed me yesterday, uh, and remarkably, I think I sent back. You sent it to my old work account from when I left. I left it in two thousand and started two thousand and seventeen. So <laughs> either either we conversed as a, as maybe you were an applicant for a job that you're maybe looking for back in I don't know between two thousand and twelve and two thousand and sixteen, uh, or. Yeah, maybe. Or, and, and you came in and, and registered with the agency I was working with, right people at the time, uh, yeah. or, or we at least swapped, we must have swapped an email about a job. Uh, I, I mean, thank God all these dates are far enough away there, but I was looking for a job, we haven't just got me into a lot of trouble. No, no, it's definitely, <laughs> definitely pre-2017, that's for sure, because uh, I, I, that's the, that's when I left that company, so you're not in trouble. You might have been the hiring manager, I can't remember. Oh, who knows, so. let's say that's yeah, what it was, I, that's exactly yeah, what it will have been. <laughs> you, were, you were referring a friend. <laughs> You can cut that. You can cut that a bit out if you want. Um, no, I enjoy it staining. <laughs> but no, so we might have met then, but I think it was just more uh, pre-post. I don't know, in between lockdown, obviously. I think yeah. you in the world you'd, of LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn became a massive tool for for me, as it probably did for a lot of people to to communicate different things professionally when I wasn't working in twenty twenty. Um, so I imagine we'd cross paths. You'd shared quite a lot about you know the stuff that was going on in your world of I suppose not your day-to-day work necessarily but more through mental health Aberdeen I think mm-hmm. obviously you're a big advocate for them so seeing the stuff that you post there and um you were a host I think on a couple of different talks that I did or not did I, I participated on um albeit anonymous, anonymously um for uh, mental health Aberdeen at the time during oh yeah the, the webinars that we did during yes time. yeah I think you, you were hosting them and Astrid was, was speaking and Graham yeah. was speaking as well so I remember going on a couple of them so I think it was off the back of that um that uh that we connected um and, and it, well, I remember you did a presentation for my previous previous job at DYW um, oh yeah around uh, build, build your futures yeah. stuff as well so then from there we've obviously just kept in touch yeah and then you also for mental health Aberdeen ran that crazy 10-hour challenge <laughs> when was that that was that was what last October it was October uh 10th last year yeah October 10th 10 10 10 wasn't it so yeah that's exactly yeah, what it was yeah that is like I, I honestly for the part of me, I kind of believe I did that necessarily because <laughs> I remember I remember like I, I think I was actually standing where I'm standing right now because when I'm doing Zoom meetings or team meetings, as weirdly sometimes like the stand, I, I, it's not like yeah. a power thing, but I feel more comfortable standing. And then so I think I'm actually getting a little bit too old and sitting down for too long hurts my back more than anything else. But, <laughs> it's getting up, that's the uh, problem. I, uh, I remember, sorry, I think you'd shared it on LinkedIn and I was like, oh, Christ, I'd love to do something like that because at the time it was, it was always going to be running related um but I was like because I wasn't running consistently enough and uh, I'd kind of lost my way a bit a little bit a few extra pounds were starting to go on a wee bit too much so I thought I need to get back into routine but not too much because I don't have the time to do a proper training marathon type stuff that I'd done before so this was it and I, I, I can't remember 10 miles no 10 hours 
I can't remember the trigger because remember I went downstairs and told my other half Shireen and she was like like are you are you kidding me like like you don't have enough time as it is you're doing coaching you're doing work we've got a family and now you want to go and run for 10 hours and train consistently and I was like yeah, and I think she, I think she actually believed me, and, and I, if I'm honest, I didn't think I'd actually, I didn't believe it myself. But I remember messaging you quite quickly, and then I was like, "Oh, how am I going to get out of this now? Like, I'm going to let her down." Thankfully, I don't know her that well yet, so maybe she won't miss me too much. And then I think, I think I confirmed it. I was like, "No, effort. Yeah, I'm going to go for it." And uh, I said, "Yeah, like locked in, created a Virgin Money page." And that was it. So I was like, well, I can't, I can't back out now. So even though I had told no one else apart from you and my other half, I was like, I, have, I physically can't back out of this now. I'm, I've already committed. Uh, Mental Health Aberdeen didn't know at the time. And there was another charity I was raising money for, um, Drinklink. Yeah. I was working with Robert there as well. Uh, they didn't know anything about it. Uh, but yeah, I've already like bought myself in mentally to it by saying I do it. So You're such a good boy. So for anyone listening that doesn't necessarily know what we're talking about, we launched a tiny little fundraising campaign thing last October. And it was kind of to make up for the fact that none of the big fundraising events were able to take place because obviously we weren't allowed to mix with people then or in big groups. And so we launched the 10-10 challenge on the 10th of October and it was do 10 of anything um, at 10 o'clock in the morning on the 10th of October for the charity of your choice. And it was just to see if we would have a little bit of fun. And my life got busy, so I didn't have too much chance to promote it as much as I wanted to do it. And in a way I was like, I'll just let this float by. And then all of a sudden I found out you were doing this. And I was like, oh, for the love of God, he's running for 10 hours. I can't let this flow by. So then what was I going to do? But because I hadn't trained for anything, the most I could do was run 10K around the streets of West Hill dressed as a hot dog. <laughs> you never documented that a lot. Though. I, didn't, I don't think I've ever seen any photos of this. I didn't until just before the challenge I was like okay I need to do something here because he's really putting me to shame so I went like that well you did it so it's amazing yeah exactly. it, was, it was a it was a perfect opportunity for me to do something slightly different and I think I'd, I'd always wanted to run the length of the the old railway line yeah, I, I live, I live up right. this way so I, I've run it quite a lot with the dog and, and whatnot but I'd never went from one end to another and I d- danced about the idea a few times and thought ah, I need to find a reason uh, and eventually that reason just came so uh, eventually mother half got on board and uh, honestly a massive support because I had to go out pretty much it was every Sunday I was going out to kind of increase my, my hours uh, yeah. training and she was superb um, obviously I got it up to seven before the, the race date or the run day itself um, so seven hours running uh, and then on the day the uh, the support was unbelievable my mum was there and her daughter Darcy was there I don't think she knew what was going on but um dog was there and partner Shireen was there at the end and we greet at the end when it was oh no wonder so, but it was good we raised um uh, 1000 just over 1500 which was good so I went I hope that went to good use I know it did for drink link definitely from some of the stuff they were talking about uh, and I'm sure it did for, oh, for mental health for as sure well. will have for MHA as well mm. for sure have. so that's how we know each other yes so I feel like we've got the same we're the same interest for sure mental health Aberdeen mental health in general you mm. know you talk quite openly about that um on your socials as well so when I put the call out for speakers for my podcast again I think you were up there with some of the first people to just say hey you know if you want to have a chat I'd gladly come on um so thank you for doing that that's okay in all honesty um I've had five incredible women on the podcast so far I feel so lucky to have had them but it was starting to panic me that I hadn't interviewed any men yet because this I want this to be a podcast for everyone mm-hmm. um and I think we're all aware that women probably talk a little bit more easily than men so thank you you seem to set some waves in motion and now all of a sudden after you and I spoke I have another four gentlemen lined good, up to do the podcast next so That's thank good. you for being the front runner there That's okay um so yeah like tell me if you don't mind why yeah. did you come forward what what has inspired you to join us on the podcast? I think I think at the time that you posted it out, I was um, in my last position, uh, and this isn't anything to do with them necessarily, just about where my head was at in my career and family, and I'd, I'd been through uh, like a lot of people at the moment, like young family, financial, uh, not woes, but I think you know we're we're on the cusp of you know just just getting by no more, and yeah. you know just everything going on about I just moved job and. Um, you know, I was sitting at a position where I, I don't think I completely felt completely content within myself, um, mm-hmm. which is a, in a nice way and as well as obviously a, a negative way sometimes is a, is a common theme for me. Um, 
previously, like to, to sort of scale back to 2020, where I was in a, a peak of, oh my God, where are things going right now? As probably a lot of people were during the start of COVID. Um, you know, since then, the ability to, to tackle situations or, or periods or circumstances are a lot, lot better. Whereas like 1920, uh, you know, pardon my, uh, well, I'm not going to try and swear, but certainly, you know, within that space, it was a, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. You know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I was getting by, you know, and everything, but I struggled to really deal with emotions that well or identify stressors and then thinking, oh, I need to do something with this. It was almost like it'll pass eventually, mm-hmm. um, but not tackling it. Um, so the period I was working in my last business and you know, financially having a bit of struggles at home and just, just the pressures of, of everyday life, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's nothing, you know, in terms of, seriousness but it is you know oh, it is it is you know it's, it's stuff that everyone feels if there's um, one thing i know for sure no one in life and especially in this podcast has to undermine anything like your stressors are your stressors completely especially when they're constant and you can't get away from them no and, and that was it you know and I, I, you know the job i was doing was, was fantastic you know the family circumstances are brilliant um, but within myself, I felt a little bit discontent, uh, which, as I said, is quite a common theme for me throughout my career. But the, the flip to that and the reason for wanting to jump on is that when I'm in that little circuit, a little bubble of you know, discontent, as much as it's, it's stressful and probably more so now these days and over the last couple of years, I actually really enjoy being in that space. And this is probably the reason why I wanted to talk about you know, feeling isolated or lonely. Um, it's because actually I, I find they're, for me personally, quite useful periods to to then go and achieve something slightly better or bigger or, or turn around in the sense of satisfaction knowing that you know you 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 don't have a choice when you're in that space to go and do something about it and it's almost mm-hmm. that kind of backs to the wall <laughs> approach which i seem to, to enjoy albeit quite sadistically sometimes like i enjoy being in a position position where things aren't going well with it because you see the opportunity to go and then do something better about it um so that that's what i felt you know when you posted your your call and said you were doing this um not only was it relatable from a mental health point of view, because that's something that I've obviously talked about and felt and still working on consistently. But at the time, I think I said to you when we did the prep for it, I was like, I'd, there's been a period or three periods in my life where I felt completely content within myself as a human, you know, in terms of my confidence and in terms of the type of person that I am. Um, and I've, I, I'll put it out like I, straight away, I've never been lonely uh, necessarily I have but not in a sense but you know might be felt like I'm on my own or I don't have people around me I've always had people around me and I've never felt exposed in that way but um there's three periods in my life where I've felt like I've, I've had to live completely within my own means and uh, you know they've probably been the most defining periods of my life even well, I know they have been the most defining periods of my life so one was back in 2010 when I was traveling um, and I was traveling through Europe, you know, I was totally on my own there. I didn't go mm-hmm. with anyone else. So, you know, everything was resting on me to, to get to where I need to be and make trains. And I don't know if you've ever walked into a hostel, um, you know, where, you know, the, you no, can just I see like, the, the bunk beds that are there and you've got some, uh, some strange speaking Scotsman coming in. There's just, you walk into a hostel and you don't know who you're going through to see, you know, there could be anyone in that room from different nationalities and different backgrounds. And, you know, it was probably the most defining period where I learned a lot about myself that I could go yeah. into these circumstances and feel quite confident and be natural. Um, and then the other, the second. How old period, were you then? I was uh, 23, 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 23. I'd, I'd done university. Uh, I'd, I'd done college for about, I don't know, I felt like about six or seven years. <laughs> Couldn't decide what I wanted to do. And um, did university for a year and thought right, I've had enough of studying. Yeah wanted to go away so just put myself in a position where I obviously I wanted to do it um uh-huh. but it was you know the, the lessons learned from it were huge um also did about we spell working in Ibiza which I get you know it might sound like the most glamorous thing but like Christ Ibiza will push you to a limit I can only through. imagine it's not, it's not you know from a work perspective which I've I eventually found a good, great balance there with some great people and and whatnot but I'm I'm not I always say I'm not like you're a typical Ibithan party going person like and um morally and and you know it was it was a difficult thing to try and overcome at times felt very alone um during those whole periods of traveling but they were they were amazing obviously seen amazing things when you say you felt alone Mm. do you mean alone as in you were just on your own but not lonely or on my own definitely uh, I, i didn't feel lonely so much when i was traveling uh, you know, I, I del- deliberately went traveling on my own. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I knew what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have a couple of friends that came over and joined, you know, at different locations a couple of times, which was which was great. 
Um, but yeah, being on my own was the was the that was the goal. Focus. Yeah, it was yeah. a focus, you know, and really kind of, I'm not saying going to find myself type approach here. I, I didn't mm-hmm. have the awareness to think that far ahead. I was just thinking I need, I know I'm better going on doing this on my own. Um, and it, it, it worked out fantastically because I'd, I'd learned more about myself than I'd ever did, you know, and, you know, career wise or job wise, I, I actually use that experience as the reason why I'm probably more, I actually studied marketing at university, mm-hmm. um, but then flipped over to do more people led uh you know say well not so much sales roles but customer service account yeah. management and then into recruitment um you know that the ability to go and converse with people <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> quite quickly um when you're you know you're really up against it to a certain extent it, it's not a you know there's n- it's not a pressurized environment but you know you've got to try and speak to people quite quickly at times and, and build up some rapport yeah you know, otherwise you will be alone um yeah. or you will feel lonely you get a great opportunity to go and meet amazing people from all over the world and you know, we made some cracking friends when I was over there yeah. that you know some that one guy actually came to Ibiza with me um from Australia so you know I mean, you know the ability to, to do that gave me a lot of confidence and then yeah you know, took, I can imagine took, took that into into work uh, necessarily so no that was a that was an experience I wouldn't do it again that's for sure but certainly maybe <laughs> not now but good yeah no, it's a good experience nonetheless and I think if anyone you know is fearful of going away in the road i totally get that because it is it is is a scary place you know to be in and Mm -hmm. um thankfully you know nothing ever happened to me but certainly you know it's not it's not devoid of bad things that happen to people so it's it's got you've got to be careful but i think in terms of the experience it's it's phenomenal so if anyone's early on in the career I think it's amazing when people um, make the call to go and tra- go traveling on their own. I would love to be able to, but I honestly think I would pick somewhere and I would jet off and I'd be all excited. And I'd have, I think I'd probably have like my first day, maybe my first night. And then I think the next day I'd just be like, okay, what now? Oh. What? Just me and my thoughts. I think I would just, I, was... I don't think I'm wired for it. I might surprise myself, but I don't think I'm wired for it. So, so it was 2010 I went away and uh, I, I think I've still got it, but the iPod I had was, well, I don't think it was even an iPod. It was, you know, it was a very old music player that I had on consistently, but I couldn't change the songs at any point. So it was whether I was walking about different places or on the plane or in trains and stuff, it was the same music playing over and over. So it was very draconian. Uh, I didn't have a laptop, didn't have a computer. Um, so you, albeit... You know, we, I could have had one, but you could have connected to the Wi-Fi in the hostels and stuff, but I didn't do mm-hmm. that. There was computers there. Um, and I think I had about two books. So when I think back now to the lack of technology <laughs> that I had, I couldn't use my phone, but I did, but I shouldn't have used my phone very often because it would have cost a fortune. Yeah. Um, so you have to then find pay phones and, you know, do calls and stuff. So uh, it was it was a different time. Um, almost a, looking back a wee bit liberated more than interesting. Yeah. You didn't have to try and report back to anyone necessarily you know you had the internet cafes and stuff which were really handy and um you know they were great for keeping up to date with facebook at the time of what was happening back at home but you're right i I felt like immediately homesick like i never felt i never felt like i belonged in any of these places i was always not not really no i was you know i was you're always i don't know being from a small place like aberdeen you know you're exposed to different cultures and different worlds that we don't necessarily see we're so sheltered here aren't we we are we are even sometimes go down to london for work and i just feel like such a small tiny yeah. person compared I to what love was that feeling. yeah i, love- I do i do appreciate that as well yeah, yeah. but it is i was I, massively exposed and isolated but having said that you know as i said um it did sort of tie in with these three points or three periods of my life where i felt quite content was my 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 issue is that i second guess absolutely everything and i'm always yeah. and I, although it's better now in the last couple of years always seeking people's feedback always yeah. seeking people's approval be it that from my partner shireen which she drives drives her mental obviously because i'm always asking if she's okay or you know i always feel nervous around managers at times at work um, and you know that, that might stem from a couple of you know, bad decisions that I made work-wise is versus, you know, maybe a couple of places that didn't work out well for me work-wise, the people that I work with, but, you know, still it's on, on me to try and control that. And I, I struggle with managers a lot um, necessarily because I'm just so fearful of of the, I suppose, the worst case scenario. Yeah. Jobs. Um, but I'm always seeking feedback, friends, family, uh, on even like my, I, I love posting stuff online and, and, and being quite vocal about certain things, but I am fearful of, feedback at times you know and and 
good good and bad but most obviously yeah it's difficult but especially social media it's so tricky because there's no getting away from it it's absolutely we're putting stuff out there for feedback and I think as long as you've got the strength to kind of think ultimately it doesn't matter if anyone likes this but of course some people do like it it's great and of course some people don't it's like oh god it's annoying I think I, I've I've posted a lot more in the last wee while just uh, or last couple of years to push past that fear of yeah, feedback which is where the improvements made but yeah so I always second guessing things never feel like I'm doing well enough type approach which is has always been quite quite integral for me so when I was traveling and then you know, going on the other two periods I was no one else there to ask you know it was mm-hmm. no one else I could rely on you know my folks were back at home and they did actually support me quite a lot obviously financially as well as mm-hmm. as everything else I had to come home at one period unfortunately for a for a friend that passed away in between and um you know just a quick turnaround of support there was was absolutely momentous you know so mm-hmm. it was I mean, it was it was there so never far away um, and that's why I, I was saying at the start I never felt completely lonely or I've if, if anything I've put myself into isolated situations rather than being unfortunate and have you know just it's way it's working yeah. for me I've done it almost deliberately but I would never I would never advocate that you know it's not oh. for everyone it's just the way it was it worked out for me I think that's what we spoke about on one of the other podcasts as well it's like sometimes like being alone is about choice like if you're choosing to be on your on your own brilliant mm-hmm. that's great I think like you said it's when it's not your choice and there's so many people that are lonely not because they choose to be it's because of exactly. that and how they find themselves and I suppose that's like around the differences of again lonely and being alone yeah I certainly I think I don't want to be alone and I've never been alone necessarily in in, in that sense but I find being ha- having time to be lonely is actually quite empowering for me mm-hmm. um it, it helps me think consolidate and then as I say when I was traveling or you know uh, the, well, the other time that I felt completely isolated on my own which is which I did again deliberately was when I, I came back from traveling I spent about time back at home and then to, to to grow up was my was my the way I summarize it at that point was to go and live elsewhere outside of Aberdeen mm-hmm. um so I went and lived in Glasgow on my own um for about a year and a half which was I, I, you know, it was a fantastic experience um but at that point for the first time properly paying bills you know uh, mortgage well not mortgage rent um, or everything else there and go into a place where it was my first proper job in that sense of uh, as defined which probably isn't the right term to use anymore because every job's a proper job actually yeah um, I take that away um but certainly I, I went into an environment where you know I was I was totally exposed you know and I was I was going into a place I don't know if you've ever been to the east end of Glasgow is where I've lived and worked and it <laughs> it's certainly a hell of a lot different to some places up here uh, i can assure you um never never Wait, gotten it please in the east end of glasgow again so, that would have been to you well I, I live beside celtic park for one okay. which was um was i do a, know where you are it was a funny area well not far away from celtic park it was actually more dominated by rangers fans at the time <laughs> which was a totally different environment that's a complicated um, place to it be was, it was uh, thankfully i didn't go about with my aberdeen top at any point or anything no. like that but um it probably just pitied me rather than did anything to me but it was it just different people you know it was a you know I was on a high street just in a place called Shettleston and um I lived in a or worked just about 20 minutes walk away up in up in Queensley and um or Easter House which is the area which I think was quite well renowned for being quite uh the challenging uh circumstances to live to grow up in and uh, it's just just different world different culture but at the yeah. same time I, I you know again I was on my own and I had to fend for myself. So again, getting resolution for you know some of the questions that I might have had or the doubts that I've ever you know would had around work or um, fitness. I started picked up then how to deal, get by financially. I don't get me wrong. Again, plenty of support when I needed it from from family because mm-hmm. I wasn't that well paid down there. Um, it was just great, you know. When I think about it, you know, I I didn't find any friends down there. I never made a circle of friends. The work was, was very separate. I would have embraced it if it came along, but mm-hmm. um, I don't think I was at a point where I felt confident enough to go to different like networking or, you know, even get groups um, or, or events where people that are on their own come together. And I, I, I presume that happens in Aberdeen, but I knew it happened in Glasgow Yeah, um, where, you know, people that were on, on their own in the city could come together. I found a couple of those, but I never, never went. So whether that was a confidence thing or maybe just that, no, I'm going to keep stick this out on my own. Um, at the time, totally single. So I, uh, you know, I, I tried to 
go out on a couple of dates, um, but nothing came of any, <laughs> any of them. I don't think they would be classified as dates, if I'm honest. So uh, I never found that settlement. And I th sometimes I think if I did find, you know, whether it was, you know, I, you know somebody I started seeing or built up a circle of friends, I might have stayed down there a little bit longer. Yeah. I did, I did I love Glasgow. I was so, going to say, so were you enjoying it? So many, like from a, I don't know, just... Just a city. It was good. You know, there was there was a lot of access to stuff around about the city. And mm -hmm. uh, just obviously good for nights out and you know eating and food. It was just just a good place to be. Um, I, I think regardless, I would have always came home. I came home a little bit sooner than probably I'd intended. Um, but eventually I hit a kind of a wall of homesickness that I was like, I need to yeah you know, up the road. So it's just about a year and a half. But again, you're know, going back to you know traveling to. To Glasgow, two periods of my life where I put myself into that isolated yeah. circumstance and felt I've came back out a hell of a lot stronger because Ibiza came back, or Ibiza traveling, Ibiza came back from realizing there was a, a confidence in how to approach people. And Glasgow, there was a, a confidence knowing that, okay, I want to be based, I want to build my future in Aberdeen or that's where I want to be. Um, and I ended up going into recruitment from there as well. So they've always kind of led to, you know, career led aspects mm -hmm. and it, to be fair coming back from glasgow I, I decided that i wanted to try and if you know if it happened organically uh, find someone to start you know building you know some for a future with mm -hmm. i was 25 at that point going on 26 so i i felt that's what i wanted to do and um it was about four months later um shireen and i our current well now wife um we, i know congratulations we met, thank you uh we met not long after i came back so uh it, you know it all fell into place uh, essentially but again I, it was being there that allowed me to, to go yeah like this, definitely some low time still for sure do you, and so and so i guess my first question is do you think it's because you went to these places on your own like it was that that really was your mission go spend time on your own sort yourself out see like what it is that you want to be or I think if I was to make a decision like that now, um, which obviously I won't be, but if I was to make a decision, mm -hmm. it would it would be with like I'm doing it because when when I was like 24 to 20, 23 to 25, when I did both of those decisions, I didn't stop categorically and go, I need to go down there because I need to gain life experience. I didn't stop and think why I was doing it, but I, I, looking back, I think I did it subconsciously without yeah. defining it. It wasn't until I was back and maybe. Even before COVID, I'd, I'd recognise the strengths of having done both of those situations and putting myself in the scenarios. And, you know, I suppose it was only over the last couple of years I realised how important they were in the career path um, and the life path, obviously, certainly. But, you know, uh -huh. career-wise as well, it's um, they've been massive players. So being in that environment on my own, you know, I, I, again, it's just been so beneficial for me personally. So it, it certainly, it was definitely done delib deliberately. You know, I, yeah. nobody forced me traveling and nobody forced me to Glasgow. Yeah. So it was, it was a decision made deliberately by me, but I, just, I suppose I didn't define it or headline it at the time. It was just, that's what I wanted to do. But I suppose that was, again, a recognition of, as you get older, you know, recognizing those skills that you still had then are still the same now. There may be just a bit more, more awareness to them mm -hmm. just now, but almost give myself credit for why I went down there and what I took away from it. Whereas mm -hmm. when I went down to Glasgow, I went traveling, I didn't recognize what they were for, nor after the dinner come back, recognize what I'd gained. Mm -hmm. uh, but now, you know, obviously I do, but it, it happened. I just never recognized it. So the, yeah. you know, the, the skill was there or the, you know, the, the application was there. I just never wrote it or mentally logged it in essentially. So yeah. felt like it was a bad decision, but at the time sometimes, but it, it definitely was helpful. I was going to say, and because I feel like you've said this uh, or similar things a couple of times, I hope you don't mind me asking if you don't want to answer this, that's fine. You mentioned there were some lows as well, like were they just being away, further away at certain times or because you mentioned also that you came back, you were a bit homesick and the only the reason I think I've held on to this is because I did something similar. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was like 24, 25. And at one point I moved to, go to Dundee for five months. <laughs> and it was for me it was just like come on I need to do something I need to get away and the, I worked in retail management at the time and they were opening up a brand new store in the Overgate and it just but I moved down for oh, the money was not incredible and 
in the end I got a job in a pub and it's actually I, I didn't think I'd ever talk about this but that was quite a lonely time for me like I worked with amazing girls during the day I worked in a pub four nights a week to try and make up the difference of the terrible salary that I'd moved down for I was literally surrounded by people all the time but I didn't feel like I clicked with any of them and it was actually now that I'm thinking about it, it was quite a lonely time mm-hmm. um and I remember I got to a point where I was like going home every other weekend that I managed or mm-hmm. that I could um and yeah I'm just like no that's not for me and then I really appreciated Aberdeen when I came back yeah no exactly same for me I'd I to answer your question yeah there was there was plenty of low points to think of I'd certainly manage this a lot more but I tend to get stressed quite quickly and quite easily um to a point where you just kind of feel that that sense of you know I don't know just wanted to throw something you know stress you know and that's not a great trait to have you know certainly mm-hmm. I think hopefully people relate to this but there's been many a phone you know, damaged, you know, just with just something, just something's triggered and it's not, yeah. been, it's, it's not been massive, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not been anything serious. In fact, to a certain degree, getting stressed out of it, it's been sometimes when you think about it afterwards, quite embarrassing um, because of how you've reacted to it. Um, and I, I wrote a, a, a blog a while ago, it was about like feeling quite stressed um, and how it's actually, more, I felt personally, it was more comfortable to live in that stress because you, you, you didn't have to, try and get out of it you know you felt if you're feeling really stressed out whether it was genuine or it, you shouldn't really be feeling that there's more you know you could summarize things being as there's bigger things to worry about type approach you know whether that's the truth or how we feel I don't know but sometimes I just felt it's easier to stay in the bubble of stress because if you try to come out of it and you don't you end up getting more stressed you know and I just almost felt more comfortable for me for too long and when I was down there or away traveling you know there was moments where it was highly insignificant. I remember once I was in Prague and I think I was, I, I, I think I, I came at the end of my Eurorail pass. So there was one, I was trying to decide what to do next. And I ended up spending a good few weeks in Prague. Um, and one of my friends had came over for a wee bit and it was, it was a good time, but I was, I was, I think I'd woke up late. You know, it was one of these things I wanted to get up early and mm-hmm. see this, go and see the city or go and go for a walk or something like that. And I woke up late um, and I remember like stressing about what I wanted to do next because I didn't literally know where I wanted to be next. And I was trying to think, do I go home? Do I buy another Eurorail pass? Um, or do I, I my, my goal was always to go and work in some sort of you know bar related area during the summer. That's what I wanted to get to, but it was a little bit too early for that. Um, I think it was about March time or something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember walking around the streets of Prague, supposed to be enjoying the, I don't know if you've been in Prague, you know, it's, it's beautiful. Oh, it's got the castle, like, it's got, um, it's got this sort of cathedral type area and it's, it's stunning and I'd, I'd been there I was walking about and I was literally speaking to myself and cursing I, I honestly thank god I was in a foreign country because what they would have heard is probably I don't know what they would have heard to be sure especially in Aberdonian <laughs> in Prague but I, I remember physically speaking and sort of shouting thinking this is really shit and this is horrible and you know what we're doing and just like almost kind of laying that blame on myself and walking about and then I remember it started raining for a bit as well oh. and I'd uh, I'd chosen not the firm of whether I didn't buy an umbrella uh, or I didn't have the right sort of jacket on. I remember like, oh my God, this is the worst day of my life. You know, I'm in, I'm, I'm on my own. I'm in Prague. I should be home. I, I was obviously naturally, you know, I didn't, I wasn't laden with money obviously as well. Yeah. So I had to try and make a practical decision um, and everything was going, going wrong. Um, no, it wasn't though. You know, <laughs> it wasn't. I was literally walking about Prague. I was getting my steps up. If you, if you, I didn't have a Fitbit back in those days, but you know, I was getting exercise. Yeah. I was walking around. There was no pressure. Didn't have to worry about work. Um, you know, family were all great at home. There was no real pressure. But you know, there were there were some significant lows there where you just felt like you know the whole world was swallowing your. Yeah. Up your I didn't have anyone to turn to at that point. Um, and I suppose that's a smaller situation of the wider reason why I was I was traveling or you know in, in Glasgow. Um, eventually I got out of it you know I did you know work worked the way out of it and I, you know I, I don't want to be the type of person that gets to that point you know when you're really really close you know to just almost like anger and you know real stress and real I suppose it wasn't aggression but I felt aggressive at yeah. the time you know and very low within myself and then I felt low for feeling that way for a while um, and almost like you felt like you were wasting the day necessarily but you know I'd, I'd certainly felt very alone at that point yeah um, and like that's just food. normal it's just like it's having a crappy day and it sometimes and if and maybe it doesn't maybe not everything's going wrong because you feel crappy it feels like everything's going wrong it did it did it felt like it you know yeah. I, I was a few days like that certainly traveling where it just you know 
I suppose you wanted everything to go perfectly well. You know, yeah. what you you got this opportunity. There's you know, a great world out there, and half the time, well, it's half the time is probably a bit excessive, but certainly a lot of times I didn't really enjoy every part of it. You know, I, you know, I remember going to, <laughs> I remember going to the Vatican City. No, not Vatican City. I went to the Tower of Pisa, mm-hmm. and uh, I was sort of staying in Florence, and I went over to Pisa for the day, and I got there, and I was like, I was on my own. I remember being quite hot. Um, and I was looking at this tower and thinking, why, why the hell did they leave it like that? Like, it, just, it was just <laughs> so pointless. Um, and, but that was just the way I was feeling during the yeah, day. I, I, just, I don't think I was having a great day. I think, um, I, I can't remember, I had to drop my suitcase off at the train station and, and it cost quite a lot of money um, to drop it off. And I was like being quite, I mean, I'm still fl- frivolous now, to be fair. I don't like spending heaps of money, but at the time, even worse so, because I only had a limited budget. I yeah. didn't have to go and put my suitcase in for the day, which I had to because I couldn't carry it about the streets of Pisa or in my suitcase. It was a, it was a relative, a big bag. Um, so I was probably raging about that first and foremost. Yeah. Um, and I was, uh, I was felt, probably felt quite alone at that point. In fact, I've, a friend had just been over just before Pisa and I think they'd left and I felt quite lonesome after that. Or I think yeah. maybe I'd, I think was it a friend was over. I'm trying to remember the period or I'd met a group of people yeah, that was it. I'd met a group of people and they went their way and then I was on my way and I felt quite lonely at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd probably going into the day and then having to spend more money than I would have liked is, is, is a common theme. And I remember getting to the Tower of Pisa and thinking, this is shit. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what is this? Like, why did you leave it like that? What is all the fun about? <laughs> just to see all these people that were trying to like push it up that way. And I think I took a couple of You're like and, kicking it for the Instagram photo. <laughs> oh, this was, thank God, it was Facebook back in those days. But I, uh, I remember... Uh, I think I, I was I had enough, and I think I went to an Irish pub. <laughs> I, found, I found an Irish pub in the middle of Pisa just to to sit and wait for my train back to, to Florence, and I just didn't have a good day um, yeah. necessarily. Which you know I can laugh about it now, but you know at the time I, I shouldn't have been in that space. You know I was in I was in a, a great great part of the world. You know, and, and yeah. so you get you get a few low points like that, and yeah, <coughs> so like you you think like shouldn't have been in that place, but you know what I mean. You can feel like that. And the greatest day and craziest day. There's no rhyme or reason. You feel how you feel. You've had no, no, I, I did. Crappy and, things building up to it then. And I, again, it's kind of going back into that subconscious of how I felt and, you know, around the whole trip itself and, um, you know, subsequently into Glasgow as well is, you know, having those days like that, you know, where I probably felt like I'm missing, wasting a day or there's an opportunity being missed here um, yeah. was actually, you know, the way I feel more nowadays, it was actually a good opportunity to, to go enjoy, okay, this day's not great, but let's go and enjoy the next day even better, you know, and yeah. make an effort, you know, a concerted effort to try and get it a little bit better and work through problems. Whereas back then, I didn't recognise that's what was probably going on. And as a, as a result, probably spawned on a couple of more days necessarily, you know, probably longer than it did. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm talking it in a sense where I felt lonely, you know, and, and I felt sometimes a little bit hacked off on myself or feeling that way, but, you know, I wouldn't have changed that experiences for yeah. anything else. You know, I'd, again, going back to, I wouldn't seek, tell people to seek to be lonely or isolated because, you know, it is a, a dangerous place to be sometimes, but not just physically, but just obviously mentally as well. But, you know, it, it, as I said, I just found it really, really empowering because I got so much out of it, you know, and they talk about the low experiences, the Christ, the highs were incredible. Yeah. You know, you know the people that I met, you know, the, the, the friends that I made, you know, experiences that I had in, in yeah. both, both Glasgow and Edinburgh, Edinburgh, uh, traveling, um, albeit not so much friends in Glasgow, but certainly good experiences. Um, you know, I wouldn't have changed it for anything. It was a yeah. lot more of those than there were because I was on my own. I had to make snap decisions. Yeah. Um, quicker and, I, don't know, I suppose the pressure was kind of off as well because I was on my own. You know, there was yeah. more time. I didn't have to. I didn't have to rely on anyone else's availability necessarily. It was all down to my own. You know, so they, they can be good spaces to be. Yeah, definitely. I remember you saying that's what we said in our first chat. The most important thing was to you to say that you spent this time on your own, and it forced you to just trust your instinct, trust your gut, make your decisions. Yeah. If you made a wrong decision, cool, but like it was your decision. And that was what was awesome. And so that was you. You um you spoke about when you went traveling, mm. and then when you went to Glasgow, and there was a third one as well. Yeah. So I mean, like a lot of people, definitely during COVID in twenty twenty, yeah. um, it, this this had been building up along for for probably about a year before, maybe just less than a year, um, in terms of 
stress and anxiety and you know just overwhelm at times and you know it tied in with work it tied in with fitness it tied in at home like we uh, we were just yeah we just moved house um it was just typically a lot going on um, mm-hmm. and I was spinning I felt like I was spinning a lot of plates uh, and it was building up and I, I just I didn't tackle anything necessarily I, I slowed down my fitness or my, my running at the time which did help a little bit in terms of managing different aspects of my life but at the same token that naturally made it things worse for me because I uh, I missed that part albeit I had yeah. to stop it um so it was it was a balance in that there but I never really tackled it and then went into 2020 as typically everyone did and you know ah, this is going to be a great year and like you know always start the year with heaps of premise and promise and um I was working for for Brewdog at the time and uh, you know, I was thinking about big things in my career and you know, I, I don't know if that was actually going to continue at Brewdog. I, I, I knew what I was in terms of where I wanted to move, what I maybe wanted to do next. But again, it was kind of that, uh, we'll see how this year goes. But I felt like, like a lot of people, right, let's go. Uh, and then obviously things changed in, in March or February, March. And I, uh, I, I, right away, I didn't have that fear of uh, isolation or lonely. Uh, it hadn't really kicked in and I... Yeah, I, I remember the point. It was it was sort of building up over time, but it, it didn't happen right away. I think the whole you know being locked down stuff was quite empowering uh, to begin with. The other half was uh, she was seven months pregnant, eight six mm-hmm. months pregnant at the time, so she was working from home and you know had the dog out for walks, and that's quite happy, you know. If I'm yeah. Um, but I had I was I was in the the garage. Um, I was doing something with the garden, and I. I, I'd been building up slowly without recognising it, but I, I started getting a really, really sort of dizzy and funny head um, when I was out. I think I was taking the bag out the lawnmower. I can't remember what it was, but I was doing something quite trivial and I felt really faint and dizzy. Um, and eventually I had to like stop because I thought, well, actually, I'm going to faint here. I thought oh, this would just be like a head rush. But no, I was physically like shaking and trembling and went into the, the living room and lay down on the sofa. And then in typical fashion, my dog, Roxy, uh, came on me and started licking me but I was like physically curled up on a ball on the sofa and Shireen was on she was working so she was like well what's going on here and she actually got it was almost like a little bit annoyed by the whole scenario which I, I totally agree because I didn't know what was going on quite, quite panicky um, and then I went upstairs uh, once Roxy had been taken off me because I was like get her off get her off me now need her off me uh, and I did I calmed down quite quickly once I, I got upstairs and just took a mm-hmm. moment um, and I did, again, I didn't think, I, not I didn't think anything of it. I knew it was an issue, um, uh, but at the time, well, looking back, I'd, I'd had a, a panic attack. Um, yeah, okay. To, to some degree, so it was the start of the the moving forward. But because I'd been building up quite a lot of anxiety around, uh, well, I detoned it to be health anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I was feeling every lump, bump, mole on my body. It was around about April, May, June time, um, and in the summer, it was, I was, it was nuts. Like everything was just an issue. I think the doctors must have knew my number was coming at times. There was mm-hmm. just so many phone calls to check things, and obviously we couldn't go in. So I, I, I don't, I don't know if it added to my anxiety. We couldn't go in, um, but I certainly got, I got some reassurances from doctors when I phoned them. But it didn't take long for them to come back. And those anxieties around what they were, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I was, I was checking everything for. Uh, a cancer you know, uh, uh, so that wasn't there before even though it had been clearly yeah. <laughs> it was that was always there it was I've got like a, a little mole in my just sort of bit of my chest um, or birthmark and I was like oh my god that, that's massive so I googled it and they, they said anything over like six centimeters was was an issue and um, I was like I know it's never been that big before it's never been like just the mind was going mental yeah. with every like there's a bit of my head that's obviously like anyone's it's got it kind of goes up a little bit it's just it's a raised bit which obviously is part of your heat um uh, you know i've got a vein that sticks out of my leg um from when especially when i'm running i think well let's start or something why would it not be it's just and it looks it, it's not a vein necessarily well it is but it doesn't look like it from the initially just just about raised skin yeah so what's well, got to be the start of a lump you know and under my armpit and oh everywhere absolutely everywhere i'd been the doctor from my throat thinking it was closing up and having throat cancer you know i laugh about it now but at the time it was yeah it was, consistent. It was it, and there was nothing thankfully there you know off the back of it i ended up getting ibs um through stress and lower back problems as well which obviously tended to add to more worries uh, around what they were um oh it was nuts i just i uh oh everything was checked and it was it was mm-hmm. weirdly a good good time to to know my body i get to know my body necessarily because again the benefit is as came through now more so every time something sort of comes up like it does for everyone and we have a little moment oh my god what's that um there's still certainly fears in there 
<coughs> excuse me, but it doesn't take long or it doesn't last for as long. There's a process for overcoming it. And I can easily sort of talk about a couple of steps that I use to, to, to take away that fear of health anxiety. But it then transpired that at the same time I was having anxiety around different aspects of my life. So obviously it was due to have my first or our first mm-hmm. child. So that was playing a part in it. Um, you know, Shireen was, you know, was, was you know, doing incredibly well, having it work as well as that. So it was you know, making sure we were in a good space financially because I, I was on furlough at the time. Um, so obviously I didn't know if I was going back or not. Mm-hmm. So it was that kind of worries and how do I find a job? Um, and then there was concerns around sort of like my fears around how I was coming across socially or how I was socially. And as it transpired uh, and how I worked this out and it didn't come right away, but health anxiety was actually masking what the, for me, what the actual problem was. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I had... Uh, uh, you know, a pain or a tingle somewhere around my body is because I was severely stressed about a certain aspect of my life, be that family related or work related or sometimes maybe fitness related or how I was coming across socially, a few different yeah. aspects. That, that's what necessarily, touch wood, it's always been. It's, you know, if, if something is significantly standing out within my anatomy and my body, it's normally because it's because something else needs to be looked at. Mm-hmm. Um, which then caused, you know, at the time I didn't recognize that I had health anxiety and the stress of um, that aspect of my life that I was worried about. Yeah, well, you had quite a lot going on by the sounds of things. Definitely, um, certainly had a lot. It was like, it was a great time, I, you know, lockdown and COVID and walks and running and you know there was a lot of good stuff going on, but you know I was I was certainly struggling. So yeah, the, you're about to be a dad. Yeah, you're on furlough. The world is crazy that we've got no control over like and also the social anxiety thing I think a lot of people because we didn't interact in the same way for like a year and a half two years so I definitely think there was an awareness of like am I funny am I like am I okay in social situations anymore like what do we say and it's okay to do this like I think we've all had to relearn stuff like that so there was a lot in there I think mine was it, it was almost like for some reason it allowed me to, it like it it told me my body my mind said like you need to deal with this now you've got a consolidated period to deal with yeah. this now you're not going back to work for a while you've got a, you know a, you know a, you know a kid coming at the time mm-hmm. um so this is the time where you know like it's it was almost like something told me to to do it and I'm not like spiritual to think that was the case but it just seemed very coincidental mm-hmm. that it was like because you know the social thing um the fitness you know, being a parent, we've recently got a dog as well, which, you know, adds up to a little bit of stress. Of course, in terms of not that. easy. Um, house, Great, money. Not easy. No, definitely not. Uh, and I th- actually think this was all pre-COVID, all these anxieties, mm-hmm. that it just had to be worked out in 2020. They got the opportunity to be worked out in 2020. But, you know, in terms of that period um, that you're asking, there was a significant period of feeling alone and lonely or isolated because I didn't know what the hell it was, what I was feeling at the time. You know, and, yeah. And, and I certainly don't come at it from a, look, I'm a, I'm a male that struggles to talk about his feelings. That's not the case. I am quite open. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not certainly in a category, most people will certainly say of, you know, raw, macho, male uh, approach. That's not me at all, uh, especially if you've seen my uh, playlist on Spotify. <laughs> anything. But I'm, I, that's not really a fear, Um necessarily from being a guy or I don't think it is um but I, I, I had no idea where to turn to you know I didn't know what to do what to speak to you know I'd, yeah I, I didn't have a clue you know I really didn't I felt very alone and very isolated and you know to the defense of my partner Shireen and you know some friends uh, that I did sort of speak to they did they, mm-hmm. they, they naturally didn't know that's no, not maybe their comfort zone to deal with that sort of yeah, stuff yeah of course um Shireen uh I love she's uh certainly more of the tough love uh, type approach, which actually helped massively because mm-hmm. the, reality, the reality check for some of the health anxiety stuff was, you know, not get a grip, but certainly look, you know, this isn't there. You know, I can, I'm physically looking at it and telling you it's not there. Whatever you're thinking isn't there. Um, so yeah, that did help, don't get me wrong. But certainly from how I tackled some of the other things, I, I didn't know what to do. So yeah, totally isolated and very alone. But again, going back into that space of actually weirdly feeling really content, um, within myself or looking back with a lot of contentness because nobody could find the answer for me um, I was thinking about this earlier on when I was out for a run and obviously preparing for for today and or mentally at least and I remember phoned I phoned I don't know if it was I thought it wasn't Samaritans but it was definitely a, a, a group it was one of the methods I tried to try and get out of it and I sat on the call and I suppose I was kind of hoping that they would kind of give me advice and answers um, but it was definitely a, a helpline 
um, which I took a little bit of time to speak to, but I, uh, I, I got nothing from it. You know, I, I felt very exposed on it. They didn't give me any advice, which is what they're supposed to do. You know, yeah, supposed to, yeah. supposed to help you talk about it and get through yeah. it. And it was only this morning when I was running that I realised that that was actually probably a, a very significant point because um, when I was on that call, I felt uncomfortable, but I was speaking and I was hoping for them to give me answers. But I suppose deep down or subconsciously, it was a realisation that, I'm going to have to do this on my own. You know, mm-hmm. there is no one else there to help me to work this out. Um, and it took it took a good bit of time, but the the method, I think I've put this across the, the mental health post on during the week was writing it down um, was was a, a key thing. Just start writing mm-hmm. a, a, a class of, I got instructed about this. I found it online and reading resources, but somebody had, did a thing around worry time, that's what I called it. And it was 15 minutes, sometimes longer, um, of pure concentrated things that were just horrible for me right now and that could be the big things from how i was feeling about you know a lump that i thought i'd seen to well like a lot of people my hair was absolutely ridiculous during lockdown you know like you know there was no no barbers or nothing so it was like i was looking at myself in the mirror thinking christ you look ridiculous um but you know it was it was just anything and everything and writing it down physically writing it down for a period of time in the morning and it didn't stop the worries for the rest of the day um and I, I don't know for sure if it, that specifically made a difference in terms of how I was feeling because I still had a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. What I then spawned onto was was like I quite enjoy writing this stuff down. Um, so I end up then writing. Well, I thought about writing a blog about mm-hmm. how I was feeling, and it started off with just posting uh, a blog about you know why I was doing this, and I was never planning to share it necessarily, but I wanted to write it as articulately as possible as I possibly yeah. could. So it was a way of processing it on a paper, so I could go back and read it. Yeah. Um, and because obviously we had all the time off in the world at that point, um, every morning or you know twice a day. I shouldn't I don't tell Boris, but I was definitely doing it a couple of times a day walking. Uh, I think. <laughs> I think there was a few of us going out. Yeah. But, um, you know, when I was out walking the dog and we live like kind of a farm type area, you know, I had a lot of time just to kind of process thoughts. And I then used to write it or type or, you know, type it on my phone and I thought about the, the, the topic I was looking at within the blog mm-hmm. um, or the theme of the blog, at least. Um, write it down and come back and then write it or type it up as, as always like it was a, a blog. It wasn't just like drivel and thoughts and notes, mm-hmm. but as the worry time was just scribbles. This was like an articulate way. And it was, I was able to process it when I was outside or sometimes when I was in the shower or when I was just driving the car, you know, something would come ahead about that theme. And mm-hmm. then I'd, I'd stop or I'd, I'd write it down and then I'd physically go and type it out around that thing. But not everything stayed, don't get me wrong, but it, it, it became a process of elimination of going through something when I was out there and mm-hmm. then articulating it on paper but within as I was writing it I was articulating it to myself as well and it it made a difference to overcome what I was yeah. feeling so I think sometimes it gives you a bit of clarity doesn't it it's not necessarily that solutions instantly jump I I do something similar but not necessarily with emotions but like if my weeks are crazy which everyone's weeks are crazy and mm-hmm. um, for me religiously I started it in lockdown and I've kept it up as I go running for eight miles every Saturday morning and it's very slow but that I, usually is when I get to process things and I, I'm calm and there's less distractions and I don't know if like I'm breathing differently and all sorts of stuff. But for some reason, like things from the week will come and go in my head and then I'll think, oh, that's how I can do this. And then I'll just get my phone and I'll type a little note and then little things and or I'll plan something that I haven't had space to do. And I'm, I'm not purposefully working. I guess that's just where most of my um, my things that take up my headspace are. Um, but I just I get a clarity. Yeah. I don't get all the solutions, but I get a clarity and a peace and sometimes some thoughts on how to go forward with them. And so I can I'm, totally relate to that. Yeah, and likewise to what you're saying about running or walking, certainly just having a thought that comes to you that you need to get down and on a little notepad on the phone. And then hopefully, you know, hopefully you feel the same as well, but more so now having that that time and that that isolation um, has meant that, you know, I, when I was out walking the dog or, you know, thinking about certain things, I didn't have to have had all the answers in the first walk or the first, you know, session that I was typing up, you know, it mm-hmm. was, it was a, it was a, I suppose, part of a, a process necessarily, yeah. you know, and almost having that patience and a little bit of due diligence to recognize it's not going to come right away. Um, yeah. And that was massively helpful for me. I did eventually share it and, you know, got some incredible feedback over, 10 blogs I did in the end um, I'd love to go back and do it but I end up starting working again and <laughs> time got in the way it's, it's yeah. not as easy but and obviously Darcy and the family and stuff so it's um, you've been busy 
Well, yeah. So I'd love to. I might. I might write it again. I've not felt I've needed to desperately. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've started writing blogs again, and then you know, gone by the wayside. But having that awareness off the back of that that whole period for a year and a bit was that okay? I started writing it, but then I've stopped it. So there's got to be a reason why I've not wrote it again. It's because I'm probably not feeling it. You know, yeah, as much. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. So that, that that's again a bit of progress there, and um, yeah, that would be a, a massive advice to anyone, but. I think I, I did speak to people, um, which was part of it. And I, I definitely I was wouldn't... gonna say, because we're probably rounding up now, and I was yeah. gonna say, like, what would what would you recommend? And it definitely sounds in that third example that you reached out to your family, your wife, your friends. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, Tom, give us yeah. a little bit of advice. What what you would say to anyone who's feeling lonely for whatever the circumstance. I think the easy thing to say would be to reach out, you know, I think is telling people that are close to you first and foremost but you know in my circumstance i maybe didn't have people that were as comfortable speaking about it in in a a social setting let's not forget reaching out isn't easy no and you know being on the other side of that you know i I think people are always wary about not reaching out to people thinking to to burden them or stress them but the easy flip would be like if somebody came at you and says look i'm really struggling would you tell them to to piss off you wouldn't oh you you would drop everything exactly you would you would do anything you might not be able to to answer what they want or or mm. not but you certainly give it a go and listen yeah and you know i think i did that and certainly people you know helped me out massively you know for the experiences that i was feeling and um, i didn't have a, anyone close to me that i'd who understood it that well or the people i felt comfortable going to anyway you know first of all but weirdly that helps though because you you look at that and you take stock of right okay that's that's a network of people that i can certainly turn to but I can't, not in a bad way here, but I can't rely on them because that's maybe not their strength or their, mm-hmm. you know, they're something they have got knowledge and or feel comfortable with. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. So then that that forced me to go, right, I need to look elsewhere here. Um, and I definitely want to give, uh, the, so I phoned, obviously, the helpline um, to speak and that didn't help. But I remember I put up something about it and I can't remember what post it was on LinkedIn. There was something about mental health and, and how I was feeling and and I can't remember, but big shout out to uh, if he's listening, if he does choose to listen, uh, Jeff Woodger. Uh, I don't know if you know Jeff, but he, oh, um, lovely man! I've never met with him before prior to to this, but he reached out off the back of it. We were connecting on LinkedIn and asked for a call. And that, to this day, I don't really know why. You know, I thought I would do it because at the time I wasn't comfortable with it um, speaking. I, you know, I took a while to feel quite comfortable speaking about this stuff, but the the turning point was there. You know. I don't think Jeff, if I can recall, had similar experiences necessarily in terms of how I was feeling, but he obviously had you know, spoken quite openly about his own uh, challenges um, and the relatableness to knowing, and it sounds really bad at times, to think that other people were going through it was such a comfort blanket or yeah. had been through it. Um, because A, it is completely normal, obviously. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, you know, we've got people that have came through at the other side or then can offer you other advice. It was just such a... A, you know a, a great place to be knowing that other people are either a feeling it and probably feel the same way I do about it and thinking I don't know what it is or I find this really this should be completely insignificant or try to play it down and you know or, or, or push it to the side whatever it was you know just knowing that people were confused by it was was huge so mm-hmm. you know the impact of being lonely and isolated forced me into those decisions um, not having anyone necessarily, and I don't mean that with any discredit to, to immediate family or friends. Of course, you know? of course. Um, you know, it was, you know, they were always there in so many ways, but just from a probably more of an emotional point of view. Yeah. Um, I didn't, so that forced me into a different place. And the benefits that that's had, you know, to, to reach out to other people, not just in terms of mental health. Um, obviously, I've been very lucky. People have asked me, and, and that weird to say, but people have asked me for, for support, which I'm really grateful for, uh, or, you know, becoming a, a more understanding and better listener to other people as much as, you know, being able to talk about it more myself, but Christ career wise and how I feel about how I conduct myself in most days, you know, off the back of that approach mm-hmm. has been, has been, oh, it's been incredible, you know, and it's what I suppose how I flip it around to what I'm doing now with, uh, you know, careers and employability. And there's no, well, there, there is a link between, you know, isolation and mental health and well-being and, you know, job hunting, don't get me wrong, like, you know, if you don't get a job, it has an impact on your mental health. It can mm. impact your well-being, but they are two very separate things here. So, but you know, I also find careers and employability and applying for jobs is a very isolated place. It's, mm. it's got a similar thing when we talk about mental health here and, um, you know, it should be something, well, thankful we are more talking about it, but previously, like, it's, 
it's been a very taboo subject and nobody talks about it and you know nobody really shares their experiences and you do feel like you're meant to go through this alone or you feel mm-hmm. totally lost jobs and job hunting and and, and applying for jobs and like stuff in your career cvs interviews you know it's always been this like oh not a taboo subject but certainly a thing there it's all you're always meant to do it on your own and you're never meant to get any help and if you don't get a job it's a complete failure and you know there's always I never thought about that actually that is quite a lonely experience especially when you think that quite a lot of people who are looking or maybe trying to get for whatever reason into a better situation and away from one that's obviously not fulfilling them so you want to get away and then you're not necessarily feeling you know you get the first job great if you don't then that can be quite isolating and make you feel lonely I never thought about that and I think maybe what you're saying is it doesn't have to be that way or, no, it, it or, definitely doesn't you know people yeah. people think that you know you can't talk about your CV or you know the failures you've had when it comes to your careers and how you approach interviews it's almost like you need to keep that information to yourself and you know the amount of people I've worked with at the moment you know I've got you know, brilliant careers but just from a a base knowledge of of how to tailor their CV properly or how to get ready for an interview, it, it stifles me. I think, you know, you've just not had that exposure because nobody's mm-hmm. talking about it. You know, yeah. it's not something we get, well, thankfully in schools, they are getting educated about yeah. it a lot more now, but certainly when- Not when know, I we, was, for definitely sure. Not when I was at school, you know, there was no talking and, and that's still ingrained now in you know, people that are, you know, in their 20s, 30s, 40s and above, you know, that are, um, you know, not, being taught this stuff and when they come to it they're thinking i don't know what to do and then all of a sudden the confidence just goes completely out yeah. it's because like mental health nobody's really talking about it and sharing it and realizing that you know even a job interview you know doesn't go well you know you're still you know still got the opportunity to gain something out of it you know it's not a you must get this job now the same as mental health or well-being you know you find a technique that you think might help you or you know a, a coping mechanism and then that's it done it's not it's not like that and job hunting isn't the same either so there's you know, it, it, you know there's no there is a link but there's no there's totally two very different scenarios of how you could be feeling but you know I, I feel like my search if that's the right word to use um has in, in the mental health space as well as my own career obviously has then has uh, led me to do what i'm doing employability wise to have like an outreach aspect of it to realize yeah. that this isn't meant to be you know a, a place where you're on your own and it, it can yeah. be enjoyable and there's ways in, in, in learning something new here so I, I just find that again going back to that benefit of isolation in, in that sense has, has has played massive dividends for me you know speaking to people um you know, reading obviously resources and for me personally it was writing I was there was no doubt writing was the or typing uh, was the uh was, was the right way to do it and uh, and benefits now we're just getting out clear your head podcast on find your find your favorite song uh i've got i've got a really weird one just to probably just to wrap this up that works for me every time Um, (laughs) and happy to share this but i don't (laughs) i laugh at this because some people will be going my god i can't believe you've got this but you know they you know braveheart yeah so when william william wallace is being unfortunately beheaded the, oh, I know the, music. Going, the music the music behind it and then when it goes to the battle of, would have been battle of bannockburn i think it is um take away the you know the the mis- misconceptions of whether that was reality and what happened but it take away the film aspect of it but listen to that music from and and do think about you know this and i personally think about the scenario in the film to a certain extent of you know they they were losing their leader in that mm-hmm. sense and then they came to bannockburn and they won but it's almost like that sense of for me it was you know all that struggles um to a point where you know i was i was yeah i say the not the lowest step but certainly struggling but then that the, the tone of the song totally changes um and then it's all about you know that how they go and win that battle and it's almost that that's how i signify quite a lot of things for how i was feeling and and i t- try to listen to that song at least once a day and it's it's weird and people might not connect with it but that's that's a massive coping mechanism for me like to, oh. seven minutes and that seven and a half minutes of that music is 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 unbelievable the, the amount of, weirdly the amount of times i've cried at the end of it or you look up to the sky and you see just depending on how you're feeling some days you're top notch and it's not that impactful but there's other days that you've maybe felt oh. a little bit uh a bit, it's a, a powerful bit, piece of music i know the exact that you're meaning yeah, so that is uh, that's certainly been a massive thing for me, you know, listening to different things um, that I probably wouldn't have done before. So the benefits that have came from being isolated and lonely, um, the you know the awareness and the exposure and the open mindedness and the listenness and 
just how I feel about myself. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just, you know, I, I suppose I just want to talk about the benefits of, or the positives that can come from feeling isolated and on your own. You know, if you do it right in, in a sense and you, you look after yourself and there's, a, there's always a balancing act though. Uh-huh. You, know, you, can't, you can't seek out loneliness or you can't seek out, you know, being like you're struggling. You've got, you got to do something about it. And But I, I, I just think being on your own sometimes is really, really impactful. Um, yeah. Definitely. So apologies, we've went on longer than no, you. No, I think we're fine. I think that's us just over an hour. So listen, yes. thank you so much, Mark. It's been really interesting talking to you and hearing about your experiences and your time chosen to be alone and some of the lows, but loads of the massive highs. So thank you for giving that. No thanks for just talking openly about mental health and things as well. You know, like I said at the start, to have a guy come on and just talk openly and the conversation goes wherever it went. Like, I'm really grateful for that. So, no, I, I, even as I think I said at the start before we pressed record, was it was a great opportunity for me to, to get, you know, a, a clarity, you know, myself, and that, I, that's that's the benefit for me. And if there's anything in there for anyone else to to take on board, and been great. Obviously, I'll be chuffed, but certainly for me, just to get it out and vocalize it and kind of pull it together is is it's the same sort of theme as the writing, isn't it? To to, to articulate it. Yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if I articulated that well sometimes, but certainly if yeah. um, if it's helped, then I'm uh, helped anyone else. I'll be buzzing. So, well, thank you so much, Mark. And I have a feeling we'll be speaking again very soon. Good. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. No problem. Take Good. care. See you later now. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.